first episode of The Extras for 2023. I can't believe I'm saying 2023, Mike. Scary. Happy New Year, everybody, and g'day, Candy. I'm Mike. Yes, that's right. Now, Mike, you took us through Psalm 1 on the first day of the year. January 1, Psalm 1. What a great way to start. So, how maybe taking a step back, how was your Christian New Year's? <laughs> Um, yeah, Christmas was lovely. I actually really enjoyed the services um, here at St. Paul's. I was uh, here on the 23rd family service and that was massive. It was huge. I think we had about 480 something people. Amazing. It was a lot. And yeah. then Christmas Eve, 11pm, that was jam-packed as well. Yes. And then Christmas morning, um, similarly, just jam-packed. There was people everywhere. It was wonderful. It was very encouraging, great fun, lovely to see lots of people to sing and hear God's word and yeah, actually lots of old friends came back to St. Paul's, so it was lovely to see some old friends as well, as well as our Catching faithful. Up with yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. How was yeah. your Christmas? Yeah, it was good. I had a couple of friends who were my neighbours who would end up live streaming the nice. Christmas Eve service at 11 and I thought Sam did a great job with the talk as well. And um, yeah, I thought I thought it was very relatable, nice. um, especially to my friends. So I'm, I nice. don't know. So it's good. I'm excited. Yeah, um, terrific. Chat and debrief, but yeah, it was it was good time, just celebrating Jesus and the gift that He is. So that's good. You. We're gonna come to now Psalm one, and we've got some questions from Sunday. Yes. The first question is around Psalm one. Now, if you um, are new to the extras, generally what happens is on a Sunday we have a text line or connect card. And the questions get texted through, um, or you can put in your connect card and we address them on the extras. This, So you might want to get someone out in front of you at the moment. If you're not driving or if you're free, you know, um, you've got a free hand. Grab someone out. And then we're looking at verse 3. Now, verse 3, it talks, it's like this. He says, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. So this question is, is the fruit righteousness? So... The analogy, this person says, makes it sound like the tree is the man, the stream is the law, and the fruit is righteousness. And so, is this saying reading the law makes you righteous? How does that work with a passage like Romans 3.20, which says the purpose of the law is to help us to see our sin, not to make us righteous? Hey, there's a few questions in there. Yes, there is. So let's just tackle, yeah, maybe we'll tackle the first one. Uh, what's verse 3 doing? What's yeah. The, what's the fruit? Yeah. So I like the way this person thinks. Um, they're trying to wrestle with God's word and they're trying to work out the details, which is great. Um, so it kind of does sound like the tree is the man and the stream could be the law and the fruit could be righteousness. Like that kind of fits within the context of the psalm. They're trying to join the dots, which is great. Um, so it, it could be that. Uh, however, I am going to suggest that maybe um, that might be pushing things a little bit too far that I take it that verse 3 is an illustration, but probably more an illustration of the blessedness of the person who delights and meditates on God's law. Um, in that, the illustration ends with that word prosper. So, the blessing that comes to the person who delights means that they will prosper in whatever they do. So I think it's more illustrative of the blessing rather than the person and kind of where they are and what they're doing, i.e. The, um, the streams of water and they yielding the fruit. So it could be that. Yeah, it, I, I guess it's 
when we're reading a psalm like this, the image is saying he's this person's like a tree planted by a stream of water. And then it's almost it's zooming in from the tree. You see a tree near the water, then it zooms into the fruit, and you see that, hey, this tree is always fruitful when it's meant to be fruitful. Mm. And then you zoom in again, and the leaf, you look closer at each leaf, it doesn't wither. Mm. And so the overall picture is meant to give us um, a picture of like, as you said, prosperity and someone who's really flourishing rather than necessarily us trying to map a one-to-one relationship. So, you know, the man is the tree mm. and therefore the fruit is righteousness. And, you know, then what is the leaf? So, mm. so it's meant to kind of imagine you're looking at a picture. It's painting an overall scene. And it's true, isn't it, with poetry? And this is poetry. And of course, whenever we read the Bible, we, we try and work out what's the genre, what's the type of writing. Mm. It is tricky with poetry, isn't it? Like, are we supposed to unlock every specific imagery, every line, or is it kind of more big picture? And I, I guess I'm thinking here, it's more the kind of the bigger picture rather than nailing down each detail. But yeah. That's hard, isn't it? But then this person does pick up something in this psalm, which is there are two categories of people. Yes. There is the wicked... And then there is the righteous. Yes. And the righteous are those who seem to meditate on the law of the Lord because the wicked are like the chaff. The wicked are the ones that, you know, don't meditate on the law, but walk in the counsel of the wicked. They're standing in the way of sinners. You know, they're with the mockers. So it does seem to say that meditating on the law is linked to righteousness. But how does that work? Because... This person's also noticing in Romans 3.20 where the law actually makes us aware of sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, this is a huge question. Um, what is, I mean, perhaps even a bigger question is, you know, what is the place of the law full stop? Mm. Um, but, yeah, as we think Old Testament, as we try and think about Psalm 1 in its original context, um, it's important for us to recognize that God is the God who saves And, of course, you think of Exodus as the great saving event in the Old Testament where God rescues his people out of slavery to Egypt. So God saves his people, beginning of Exodus, and then he gives the law in Exodus 20. And the point of the law there seems to be that this is the way uh, an unholy yet saved people, Israel, lives with a holy God. Mm. And it is how they are to live right with God. Um, of course, the problem is Israel never could do it. And I think that was part of my big idea in Psalm 1 is that none of us can actually, uh, I use the analogy of sing Psalm 1 perfectly or in tune or pitch perfect. Um, And so the law, which, you know, still is a blessing but is something that we can't ultimately do, Therefore, the law can't make us righteous. And that is kind of the point of Romans, Um, not only Romans 3.20, but we can't be righteous by the law. That's why we need faith, and that's why um, the righteous will live by faith. Um, And so, sorry, you were going to... Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, Romans 7 actually says that, right? So Romans 7, verse 7, what shall we then say, what shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means... So, he, you know, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. So you're right, like the law does point out sin. But then it says in verse 12, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Yes. So the law is good. Yes. It shows us the way. 
the way that we're meant to live. Yes. Like um, as God's creation, as God's saved people, how we're meant to live by faith. Yes. Um, so there's nothing wrong with the law. Yeah. The problem's with us. Yeah, that's um, right. We can't keep it and it can't make us righteous. So that's why we need Jesus uh, because he was the only one who can uh, be righteous through, if you like, following the law or following someone. And then for us who are believers in Jesus, who are in Christ by faith, um, we can still benefit from the law, if you like, be blessed by the law as we meditate on it, as we delight in it, because it does show us how to live right with our God. It does yeah. kind of point us to righteousness in that. It shows us how to live right with God in the sense of the law, which I think people think the law is just the Ten Commandments, but the law is actually, you know, generally speaking, talk through the first five book of the Old mm, Testament, mm. which includes all the salvation story. Yep. Um, and so the law actually makes us righteous by pointing us to faith in Jesus Christ, which is what 2 Timothy 3, 16 talks about scripture being God-breathed. But before that, it says, you know, Timothy, knowing the sacred scriptures, which is able to make him wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So the law does help us to know Christ yes. because it helps us to have the expectation. Like the Old Testament people have that expectation. But it also, as you said, Mike, it, it helps the righteousness in terms of it actually tells us God's will and his commandments. So mm. don't lie, um, don't bear false witness, you know, don't covet. Like those are things that are of someone who's righteous, like a quality. It's complicated, isn't it? Yeah. There's kind of so many layers to the law, isn't there? So yes, the law at one level could just be the Ten Commandments, but you're rightly saying, no, it's bigger than that. Of course, there's more than Ten Commandments. But then it's also bigger than that because it's the whole first five books of the Bible. Yeah. And um, it's, yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, the sacred writings. Yes, the yes. The whole Old yeah. Testament. And then the law helps us to live right with God, but the law also points us to the fact that we can't do that. Yes. And then the law points us to Jesus who could do that. Yes. And then points <laughs> to us how to do it in Jesus, knowing the first three things that we just said. Yeah. So it's complicated. Yes. And we hope that this is helpful. <laughs> that's, that's what maybe you're tuning into the extras for. Yeah. And I think I keep saying this as well. Um, I think sometimes we can have a very flat way of looking at a single word. So when we think of the word righteous, we think of, you know, in doctrine speak, we talk about it, the alien righteousness mm. of Christ. Alien being like a set apart righteousness. So the righteousness of Jesus, which is nothing to do with us, it's mm. about his life that he lived, mm. the death that he died. It gets, we call it imputed. It gets, it's, it gets given to us. Free of charge, nothing to do with us. Credited to credited, our account. Yeah, that's right. Credited to our account. Um, so it's like if you have a massive credit card debt, Jesus pays it all off. He is the one who, you know, gives us righteousness and that is alien to us, right? Mm. But sometimes we have that view of righteousness, which is to do with justification and being made right with God. And that stops us from seeing righteousness in the category also of sanctification. That is Not being so. progressively made holy which the Bible also talks about. The Bible talks about us leading, uh, living a life um, that is pleasing to God, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, yes. um, and those things that are like God, like Jesus, mm. being righteous like Him. Mm. You know, and so we see that in James. You know, in terms of 
looking at the perfect law of liberty and not just looking at it like someone looking in a mirror and then walking away, but actually doing it. So I think a part of our problem as well is that we can have a very flat view of righteousness where it's just alien righteousness and nothing to do with how we live. But actually, no, the Bible talks about both. Yes. And they're connected to each other. And I guess it's yeah. our hope and prayer that as we read the Psalms in January, it's going to help us with that type of righteousness, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is not separated from Jesus, but it's what he works in us um, by sanctif- making us like him, even as he has saved us. That's a part of his ongoing work in our life. Um, so the second question is, if we can't sing Psalm 1 without Jesus, how did the original singers sing it? Off key. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's not very helpful. Yeah, well, you still did say that on Sunday. Maybe you can expand a bit on it, Mike. Well, they sang it, but they didn't sing it perfectly. Um, mm. I take it I take it a lot of Israel would have, uh, would have known Psalm 1. Of course, they have much better memories than us. Yes. They well, probably they, memorized probably it. Not, but yeah, they probably worked a lot harder to do yeah, that. Probably. Yeah. Although some people this week, Candy, have been working very hard to memorize. To memorize some yeah, one. yeah. I've had a few videos. Oh, uh, wow. One young man who, you know, will remain nameless, but uh, an eight-year-old has memorized Psalm 1 already. That's fantastic. And another family I know that's actually written their own song, melody to Psalm 1. So well, pretty well, encouraging. In afternoon church, I think, Maybe you were volunteered to share yeah, a song. Yeah, that's right. Pete Baker did uh, put me under the bus. But um, <laughs> anyway, there are songs out there. Um, and of course, have you heard of Songs of Korah? Sons of Korah, yeah. yeah. We were actually listening to Sons of Korah Psalm 1 before we went go. to church on Sunday. Yes. And, um, ah, there you go. Yeah, I'm actually listening to uh, um, a couple. I think it's, it's weird. The name is Bishop Paul Cooper. But anyway, their Psalm 1 is also very beautiful. There you go. Well, someone asked me to recommend the Sons of Korah one as well. Yeah. Anyway, back to the question. How did Israel, how did the original singers sing it? So they would have known it. They, Many of them would have tried to live it, um, would have tried to delight in the law and tried to meditate on it day and night and tried to keep away from wickedness and sin. Uh, presumably others didn't. <laughs> There's a spectrum. Um, But the reality is none of them could do it perfectly. And so none of Israel fully received the blessings uh, that God had in store for them. For anyone who could perfectly sing, is my analogy, but live out more truthfully, more... um, um, What's the word? Anyway. Like, I guess it is something that they can sing. I I guess, Mike, what you're trying to say is maybe... No one could sing this and mean it truly and not have a guilty conscience except for Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. But Absolutely. it didn't mean that this psalm was gibberish no. to the people there, that it didn't make sense without Jesus, so it meant nothing to them. Absolutely. So that's not what you're saying. You're saying they just sung it out of tune. Yes, that absolutely. They, you know, as they sing, you know, verse 5 and 6, right? Um, Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sin in the congregation righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. They couldn't actually stand there and say, well, I meditate and delight in God's law 24-7, and so I'm that righteous person. Yes. Um, but how they did sing it would be, I imagine it's both a prayer for them, like a, a, something said. So it's like the Lord's Prayer. We can't pray that and mean it 100% because none of us ever want God's will done on, on earth perfectly as it is in heaven. Like we struggle with that. Mm-hmm. It's a part of being a sinner. 
but we do can still pray that as an expression of our desire and as a way of teaching us and training our hearts on what we should want. Mm. Um, and I suspect Israel would have had prayed and sung this Absolutely. in the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we have a third question about people like Isaiah, the prophet, Jeremiah, the prophet, Daniel, or even Simeon in Luke 2, who is described as righteous. Now, could they have sung Psalm 1 truly? Yeah, and I think, I think Candy, you actually answered this earlier by talking about the fact that we sometimes have an overly flat view of this word righteous, um, that the Bible doesn't let us sit in. Um, it's a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more, a few more layers to it. Um, so there was definitely fantastic people in the Old Testament and even Simeon in the New Testament who were described as righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you try and kind of read that with you know Romans 3 that says, well, there's no one who's righteous. And I guess I was kind of um, leaping off that to say no one can sing Psalm 1 perfectly. Um, so their righteousness, Jeremiah and Daniel and Simeon, it must be of a slightly different nature to just kind of obedience righteousness or works righteousness. There must be something else going on. Is that right, Candy? Yeah. I think um, one of the interesting things, if you look at the story of Simeon in chapter 2, when he is talked about as righteous. So in chapter 2 of Luke, verse 25, he's introduced as righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So he's someone who's righteous and devout. And the description we get of him is that he's someone who's waiting for the promises of God. Mm. He's someone who trusts in God. He has faith. Mm. He has faith that God will comfort Israel the way that he has promised in Isaiah. You know, comfort, comfort my people. So Simeon is someone who's righteous, but we hear that he's definitely righteous by faith, right? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's not to say he doesn't have the qualities of righteousness in terms of maybe, you know, things like the Bible tells us about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, the things that describe someone who is of the spirit, um, you know, Holy Spirit was upon him. He then understands that he would see Jesus. He would see the chosen Messiah of God. Mm. Um, but yeah, he is righteous both by faith and I take it also in terms of the way he lived. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, that kind of reminds me of Hebrews 11. I don't know if that's where you were thinking, mm. Candy, but, you know, all those great Old Testament. That was what we kind of talked about in the <laughs> so, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler um, alert. Yeah, those great people of faith in the Old Testament um, who are, you know, in the kingdom, who are God's people. Mm. Um, and, yes, it was their faith that ultimately, you know, that qualifies them for that. And you're saying that that's kind of Simeon and uh, Jeremiah, they're in a kind of a similar boat. Well, they definitely had faith. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They they um, they could have sung someone truly as a righteous person by faith. Great. But Jesus is looking someone... Looking forward to. Yeah, yeah looking, looking forward, forward to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus is, is the only person who could sing this as someone who never displeased the Father. Yeah. Right, you know, Jesus says, I always do what pleases the Father. Yeah. No one else could say that apart from him. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we hope that that's helpful in terms of how those Old Testament saints could have sung this song, um, think talking through righteousness, what's with the fruit and everything. This coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at Psalm 8, um, which I'm very excited about. 
Yeah, yeah. So Pete's going to be preaching that at Carlingford. And I get to preach someone at North Rocks, which I'm also excited about. So we're kind of doing a slight reverse order. Yes, yeah, so um, so um, Peter would have done Psalm 8 in North Rocks. So, you know, if you are a North Rocker or if you are from Palo or Afternoon Church, Night Church, send in your questions. So maybe we'll answer some from Psalm 1 next week. Or Psalm 8. Yeah, or Psalm 8. That's right. <laughs> um, I do love Psalm 8. Yep. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite psalms. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I just think um, you really see the glory of God in his creation of humanity, mm. his intention for us. So. And it's a pretty important psalm in the New Testament, isn't it, Psalm 8? So you can see how Pete draws those words together as well. Yeah, that's right. So maybe this can be a bit of a teaser. You can think about where in psalm, where do you see Psalm 8 in the New Testament? There you go. Yeah. Do some study on that one. There you go. Looking forward to um, chatting to you guys uh, next week. Thanks so much. Bye.